In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. Just a content warning. Uh, The conversation that we're about to have is going to include reference to sexual violence and sexual assault. So if that's not something that you want to hear right now, maybe skip this one. My name is Joe Fish. I'm a producer at the Big Story Podcast, and I'm sitting here with... I'm Mary Jubran, the digital editor here at Frequency. Okay, and Mary, what does a what does a digital editor do in the day to day? Oh God, um, a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot. Um, I do a lot of uh, statistics stuff. I do a lot of uh, technical stuff. I do a lot of artistic and marketing stuff. Um, I do some audience development, uh, some editorial stuff. Even it's kind of like a catch all term for somebody who is haunting the back halls of podcasting and just doing everything. No, for sure. And I'll add to the list that whenever the rest of us who are total Luddites have an issue with technology, (laughs) we hit you up and then make it your problem as well. Yes, I get the notification and it's go time. (laughs) So there we go. All right, Mary. So it's been been an exciting year at Frequency. Mm Uh, we've done, you know, we've done so many amazing things. First things that jump to mind are new season of Heaven Bent, yeah. And you've kind of had had a hand in all of it. Parkdale Haunt, as yes. well as a huge show that I know you personally have had a lot of involvement in. But we're talking today about the big story, which has also had a great sort of bumper year. You know, we've made mm-hmm. a lot of episodes that we're all super proud of. Is there one in particular that really uh, stands out or that resonated with you? Yeah, so on April 20th, we did an episode called Why Don't All Canadian Hospitals Offer Sex Assault Evidence Kits? Mm. And that one really stuck with me uh, throughout the year um, because it was really shocking to hear that if you are in a rural area, the odds of you being able to get a a rape kit done is uh, very slim to none. A lot of these hospitals don't have rape kits in stock. And if they do, they often don't have nurses or other staff that are available to do the kit for you. And so if you are a survivor of sexual assault and you are in the wake of a horrible, horrible trauma and you are just trying to seek justice, depending on where you live, you may not actually be able to because by the time someone can see you, it's too late or it's been too long or no one can see you at all. And so I am a survivor of sexual assault. I have a lot of loved ones that are survivors of sexual assault. And the fact that any one of us could have been living in a rural area instead of the city, and it would have meant that we potentially could not seek justice if we wanted to. And that's just heartbreaking and wrong. And it just seems like this, providing this evidence collection kit is like the bare minimum. Yes, absolutely. That you could do. And we're even failing in that. Oh, absolutely. And not to mention too that when you do the sex sex assault uh, evidence kit collection, it is extremely traumatizing oftentimes because it is so in-depth and invasive and long. It takes a very, very long time and you do have to recount the trauma a number of times. And so for 
survivors to have to not only live through the trauma and then go to the hospital, tell somebody their whole story and then get told, actually, no, we can't take you here. You have to go to another hospital two hours away or whatever it might be. And then you go and you have to do it all over again. It's just extremely, extremely traumatizing and wrong. Mary, thank you so much for joining us today. And I and I hope that listeners listen to this episode and and think about the issue and, and they feel informed by it and maybe empowered to speak up and do something about it. Thank you so much. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. I think that most people understand this. When you've suffered a sexual assault, it can be incredibly difficult to summon the will necessary to go through the process of reporting it and trying to see justice done. There's the immediate trauma, the evidence gathering, the witness statements, the investigation, the months of navigating the court system, and often, at the end of that, a painful trial that can open every half-healed wound. And only then, maybe, if everything goes perfectly, a conviction. But not everything goes perfectly, certainly not very often. But there is one place where Canada continually fails victims of sex assault. A sexual assault survivor alleges when she came here to Montreal's Jewish General Hospital back in February 2017 after being drugged and raped, she asked for a rape kit exam, but she says the hospital told her they didn't do that here. A sexual assault evidence kit contains everything needed to collect and preserve the evidence of a crime. If you want to see a case properly tried, the quick collection of evidence is essential. And yet, across the country, many hospitals simply don't have them. And even some that do lack the personnel to properly administer them. In some cases, victims who have just suffered a traumatic violation are told that they need to go somewhere else, sometimes up to 100 miles away, if they want help or if they want their assault to be properly recorded and prosecuted. Usually, I end these intros with a bunch of questions. Today, I have just one. What the hell are we doing here? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Jacqueline Villeneuve-Ahmed is the founder and director of She Matters, a community of women identifying survivors and allies that recently led a 12-month study into sexual assault evidence kit accessibility across Canada. Hey, Jacqueline. Hi there. Why don't you start by telling us what exactly is a sexual assault evidence kit? I think people know about them, but maybe this is basic. What's actually in it and how and when does it get used? So a sexual assault evidence kit is composed of documentation forms, a series of swabs, uh, tools for photographic evidence collection, envelopes for any hair, uh, clothing items, and sanitary items to be collected, and uh, seals to seal the kit when a nurse examiner is completed the examination. Maybe another obvious question, but why is it so critical to have them in absolutely every hospital? 
Our country currently has a 3% conviction rate for sexually based offenses, and a sexual assault evidence kit is the best form of accessing justice and seeing a conviction for survivors of sexual assault. It allows evidence to be collected in those pivotal moments following a sexual assault and can actually be collected up to 12 to 14 days after an assault takes place as well. Um, Those kits are used throughout the court process to provide evidence uh, in a survivor's case, which really does go the extra mile to providing validity to the survivor's story and their testimony and provides them with the best chance at seeing justice. Now that we've got the basics down, maybe describe a little bit uh, the study that you did at She Matters and, and why you decided to do it and took the approach that you did. So in late 2018, I was approached by a friend who is a physician working in Northern Communities, And he shared with me that a survivor had presented to hospital in the area where he was working, uh, and she had been sexually assaulted. Unfortunately, the hospital where he was working did not have sexual assault evidence kits available, and the survivor then had to be transported over two hours to our hospital in Sudbury, Ontario, where we have one of the province's violence and prevention intervention programs. And that survivor was not able to be seen whatsoever at the hospital where my friend had been working. And it really was a traumatizing experience for the survivor, for the medical professionals who had to attend to her at the first hospital. And he presented it to me asking if this was something happening in other parts of the country. I myself was not aware that this was happening. And so I did a little bit of preliminary research. I called hospitals within a four hour radius of Sudbury, Ontario, where I reside. And I very quickly identified that many hospitals within our region uh, were sending survivors to our our primary hub hospital here in Sudbury for sexual assault evidence kit examinations. And that was really startling to me as a survivor myself. I remember immediately going to our local victim services and the folks over there were unaware of this being an issue as well. Mm. And that was really sort of the spark for investigating things further. I had the opportunity to meet with Minister Monsef, who at the time was serving as the Minister of Women and Gender Equity in Ontario. And I shared this concern with her, sharing that in rural and remote regions in Northern Ontario and beyond, there were survivors having to transport themselves hours simply because their hospitals did not have sexual assault evidence kits on hand. And I shared with her that this was a fundamental barrier to accessing justice and that it was not right for survivors to be denied access to justice uh, in, in accessing a kit simply because of where they reside. Unfortunately, she shared that this was an issue that the federal government was aware of, but that it was not within their mandates because it fell under health care and therefore was a provincial responsibility. Despite our best efforts at She Matters to make 
the federal government aware that this is an access to justice issue. Um, from there, she encouraged us to continue um, seeking access to kits for survivors by conducting our own research if we chose to do so. And that really was sort of the spark to carrying out the data collection for the silenced report. So how did you do the study and how comprehensive is it? So we had a very small team. She Matters is comprised of myself and three other primary volunteers. We were also joined by 16 other dedicated individuals who assisted us with both the data collection as well as the editing of our report. It took both a qualitative and quantitative approach. Well, first, we made a database of hospitals and health centers across the country who are providing emergent care. So this included health centers in more rural communities that were the exclusive providers of medical services within their region, as well as larger hospitals that had 24-hour emergency care services. And we conducted calls to these medical facilities Uh, identifying ourselves as either a survivor or a support person, not identifying ourselves as an organization conducting research. We really wanted to be able to understand the feedback that survivors were receiving when conducting calls to see if kits were available. And we charted our data by recording both the sensitivity we received in the responses, whether or not the hospital or health center had kits available, if they did not, where a survivor could go to access a kit, as recommended by the medical professional we spoke to, whether or not RCMP had to be involved to bring a kit to the hospital, and in cases where uh, hospitals or health centers did not want to provide that information, we documented that as well. Uh, Following the data collection stages, we then plotted this into our mapping system, which helped us to identify patterns as to whether or not rural and remote regions had more accessibility or less. Also for us to visually see the distances that survivors were having to travel in communities where kits were unavailable and we referenced where medical professionals were telling us we would have to transport ourselves to go in order to access the nearest kit. And then our, of course, final step was compiling all of this data into our report itself. So without asking you to give me the entire report, which people can go and and look at, did it confirm uh, what you suspected uh, from your initial conversations and and maybe just the top line numbers, how how bad is it? How many hospitals are without these kind of kits and services? Our team was definitely shocked when we finished our data collection and saw everything mapped out. It, it was startling, especially as a survivor-led organization, to see that across our country, survivors were being denied access to sexual assault evidence kits at their local facilities. We saw through our study that 41% of hospitals and health centers did not have kits available, refused to answer our questions, or relied on RCMP to bring kits to the hospital or health center. 
Wow. Here in Ontario, uh, which is where we are based, we saw that 39% of our hospitals and health centers did not have sexual assault evidence kits available. And in the provinces and territories with the highest rates, there were communities that were having survivors transport themselves over three hours, in some cases even having to take flights to access a sexual assault evidence kit. That's pretty staggering. Um, Is there any legislation that pertains to this? Like, don't victims have rights in situations like these? So survivors do have rights as per the Victim Bill of Rights. Nothing specifically touches on sexual assault evidence kits and the correlation between access to justice in the most optimal manner and a sexual assault evidence kit, unfortunately. On March 30th here in Ontario, a bill was proposed that would require hospitals in Ontario to have a minimum of 10 kits on site at all times and to provide nursing students with free uh, SANE training. So that's the sexual assault nurse examiner training. But nothing in any province or territory or federally has been mandated to ensure that survivors will always have access to these kits. One staggering thing that we identified as well was that some hospitals did have kits on hand, but told us over the phone that they did not do kits at their site because of the the time that it takes to actually conduct a kit. So it can be anywhere between two hours to eight hours for a survivor to go through the examination process and the evidence collection process. So that was also very disappointing for us to see that some of these communities did have kits available to survivors, but we're still asking survivors to transport themselves after such a traumatic event Mm -hmm. uh, to another center just to get a kit done. I want to rewind a minute um, for something that you mentioned in terms of Ontario providing free training. Um, Isn't this training part of uh, nurse training in general? It seems like a relatively critical part of the education. So that's not a standard part of nursing training. It is not a standard part of nursing training or for doctors across our country as well. How does that training happen and and how... How specialized is it? I guess what I'm trying to figure out is, is why not? That's a great question. It's one of the primary recommendations that we had was to ensure that, well, all medical professionals, really nurses and doctors should be trained on how to conduct a sexual assault evidence kit. The kits themselves come with instructions. So if you are in a more remote community and there aren't any sane nurses available within your region, it is a guided process simply by opening the box. So that in itself for us was reason enough why all survivors should have access to kits. Mm -hmm. Having some evidence is better than having no evidence in court. But we do know that being a sexual assault nurse examiner does give an added advantage to survivors, knowing that that individual is trained on how to effectively collect evidence, is trained on sensitivity practices. You do see, in most cases, 
a much more trauma-informed process for the survivor if they are seen by a sane nurse. But we still haven't really received any justification as to why nursing students or medical students are not receiving this training as part of their education. You also mentioned how long and how resource intensive uh, this process can be for hospitals. Over the past two years, uh, we all know how badly uh, healthcare professionals have been stretched by the pandemic and hospitals themselves. How has the pandemic affected, first, the availability of these kits, and second, the availability uh, of hospital resources to administer them? The kits are still very much available for sexual assault examinations, and we have seen a rise in sexual assault cases throughout the pandemic. Of course, we are aware that of the incredibly difficult position medical professionals have been put into throughout the course of the last two years. But we have also heard from survivors that wait times have been just as long, if not longer, throughout the pandemic. We've heard from survivors who have been sent away from hospital for as long as two days in some cases before they can come back and get a sexual assault evidence kit done. And so it really does call into question why these kits and this trauma is not being considered emergent, especially due to the correlation to a survivor accessing justice. So how do we fix this? I mean, you mentioned that the federal government considers it a provincial responsibility. Uh, that means a lot of people have to get on board. Is there any kind of comprehensive solution out there? Um, or is this is this going to be frustrating patchwork province to province, cajoling, uh, lobbying, et cetera, et cetera? So when we met with Minister Monsef, that was her recommendation. And it has been the recommendation of all of the federal officials that we have been in touch with since releasing the report last year. Everyone within the federal government, including the Minister of Justice, stated that we needed to contact provincial leaders. Again, throughout the report, we state continuously that this does very closely correlate with access to justice. But that isn't being heard. From a provincial perspective, we're also being told that there are already programs in place. These programs are sufficient. There is no need for kits to be available at every hospital when there are specialized programs in select hospitals throughout the majority of our provinces and territories. Um, this is the common response that we have heard from the provincial and territorial leaders that we have heard back from, though many have have never responded uh, since sending out the report, unfortunately. But it leaves us at sort of a gray area where we're being told from both directions that this matter is occurring. They're aware that it's occurring, but nothing concrete seems to be taking place in order to ensure that survivors are having this access. So from our stance as an organization, it really does come back to that access to justice, simply because we are an organization that is so rooted in survivors' rights. And it is a survivor's right 
to access justice. And in order to do so, the first step that you are supposed to take as a survivor, if you choose to do so, uh, is to go and get a sexual assault evidence kit done. And you're told when you go through the process of contacting victim services or law enforcement that it should you choose to do so, accessing a kit will provide you with a greater chance at seeing your case result in a conviction. So actions do need to be taken, but we're, we're seeing from both ends really that, that nothing seems to be done and no one wants to take responsibility. That is really depressing to hear. Um, my last question for you then is a very practical one. Um, what would you say to a survivor right now um, about what they should do in the immediate aftermath? Is there, is there anything that you and the organization have learned about navigating the system, um, trying to do the best you can with what you've got? What would, what would you say to them? Most definitely. Actually, right now, She Matters is currently developing a training for justice professionals here in Ontario to educate legal professionals on the systemic challenges that survivors are facing so that we can minimize secondary trauma for survivors navigating the justice system. And one of the primary recommendations that we have for survivors directly is really to fundamentally understand your rights and understand the process of accessing justice prior to making the decision as to whether or not that's the path you wish to take. If it is, we, we do recommend understanding your rights as per the Victim Bill of Rights. And this is something that survivors can find uh, on our website uh, and throughout the silence report as well. So knowing that you have the right to information about your case, you have the right to protection from your abuser, you have the right to participation throughout the justice process, and the right to seek restitution. That's very fundamentally important for survivors to understand. And when first experiencing sexual assault, it's really important for survivors to understand that they don't need to go through that process alone, that you are entitled to have a person with you, either a family member or a friend, when you go through a sexual assault evidence kit or if you don't have someone that you can trust to go with you or you don't want to involve people in the process, your local sexual assault center can be contacted or victim services so that you do have a support person there with you. And just for survivors to know that your your voice matters, your story matters, and that they fundamentally matter. So not to feel as though they're a burden and that they shouldn't go through the process of seeking justice. They are worthy of accessing justice. And there are organizations such as She Matters and many others who want to be there to support them through that process. Jocelyn, thanks so much for this. It's really helpful. Um, I hope a lot of our listeners don't have to use that process, but um, I'm, I'm glad to know that you guys are resources for them if they do. Thank you. Jacqueline Villeneuve Ahmed of She Matters. That was The Big Story. For more, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca or talk to us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. Shoot us an email in our brand new email box, hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. And of course, find us on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, whatever your favorite method of listening to podcasts happens to be. We are here to help you indulge it. 
Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.